this morning we're coming to the end of our journey, uh, going through the book of Ephesians. We've been parked there since back in May, and I pray that in many ways it's just the beginning of your journey through this very powerful epistle that Paul wrote. Um, I've merely uh, scratched the surface on some of the deep truths that lie within its pages. And I pray that uh, as you um, continue to dig in on yourself, right? Dig, dig in yourself. I pray that I just, I pray I whetted your appetite enough to dig back in and allow the Holy Spirit to kind of just continue to make that life to you. And that it would continue to encourage you and equip you and establish you. But we're not done yet, right? So we got a little bit more to go uh, this morning. So last week um, I concluded uh, the section on the armor of God. And I pointed out that each item that Paul presents to us, as we saw the different items in the armor of God, uh, it presents a, an illustration on how we are to employ truth to combat lies against the devil, right? The only weapon that the devil has are lies. And so Paul is equipping us on how do we identify and dispel these lies from the enemy, as well as those lies that come from our past experiences. How many know not every lie comes from the devil, right? We've kind of made some of our own lies. We've, we've drawn some wrong conclusions, right? We've been a part of some things in the past that try to inform our present. Maybe it's broken relationships or disappointments with people or, or whatever, right? But, but we, all, we all know that, that, that those lies, if we don't identify them and dispel them with truth, they're going to land and they're going to become realities, right? And so what Paul is laying out for us in this, uh, this, this last section of scripture is how do we identify and, um, and, and put truth in motion to dispel these lies? And he use, uses the armor of God to help us to do that. He says this in, in verse 11 of chapter 6, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, he says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. That's the goal, that we might stand. And so we apply the truth of God's word so that we might, two things he highlights here, that we might stand against the schemes of the devil. How many know that the devil is scheming to try and trip you up? The devil is scheming to try and confuse you. The devil is scheming to try to get you to believe lies that go against what God says about you. He doesn't want you to see yourself as God sees you. He doesn't want to see yourself as a child of God, loved by God, accepted by God. He wants you to feel like you're, you, that, that God doesn't care about you, right? The schemes of the devil. He is always up at, uh, uh, trying to bring confusion and division and discord. And what Paul says is, man, put, up, put on the armor of God that you might stand against the scheme of the devil, the scheming of the devil. Secondly, he says this, that you might stand against the schemes of the devil as well as put on the armor of God that you may stand in the evil day. What is that? 
Well, we've all, been, we've all experienced what an evil day may look like. It might be different for everybody. It might be an event that go, that's gone on in the world around us. It may be an event that's going on in your family or on your job or in your personal life or in your health or whatever it may be. We've all experienced a time in our life that we would look back at and say, that was an evil day. That was a dark day in my life, right? And if we're not careful, if we're not grounded in the word of God, those difficult times have taken out many a Christian, but causing them to believe lies and, 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 and not um, looked at those evil days, looked at those dark times through the lens of truth. And so what do we do? Paul tells us, take up the belt of truth, right? Truth is what informs everything. It's what holds all things together. He says, here's what you do when you're going through those times. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, right? It's, it's protecting our emotions. It's allowing our emotions to be governed by the truth of God's word, by, by allowing God to inform our emotions. He says, put on readiness as, the, as shoes, right? Be aware, be alert, recognize that we're in a battle. Stand your ground. Recognize that the enemy is going to shoot these fiery darts. Be ready for those things. He says, take up the shield of faith. It's what we, it's what we hide behind, right? He's our shield, isn't he? Right? We hide in him, right? It's the shield of faith that quenches those fiery darts of the enemy. How do we do it? We put on the, the helmet of salvation. It's, it's where we guard our mind from the, the lies of the enemy that tell us, that, that, that try to inform us contrary to what God says. That before those, those fiery darts of thoughts land on our minds, we can identify it as a lie and dispel it with truth. And he says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the word of God that informs us, that equips us, that enables us to go forward and put in motion the truth of God and advancing the kingdom of God. That's what we've covered so far as we've been looking at the, at the full armor of God, right? And again, let's just remember something and just big broad back up here beginning, right? Chapters one through three, it's our position in Christ. Then we start looking at our practices in Christ, right? It's how, how we are to live out our identity in the world around us. And in the midst of that, we're going to find ourselves at war on the battlefield of relationships. And while on the battlefield of relationships, we need to take up the whole armor of God, which is the truth of God's word, so that we will live out who we are in Christ Jesus, Notice what Paul says here, though, as he, as he continues in this passage. Um, he says in verse 17, take up the, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Notice something that between verse 17 and verse 18, it's not a period, it's a comma. It's a continual flow of thought from what Paul just laid out for us in identifying the armor of God, the truth of God's word. He's saying, while you're putting that on, you make sure you are always praying all things in the spirit. There's a clear connection to what Paul was just saying about the armor with what he is saying right now. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. He says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. What are we to make of this? Paul's not laying out for us a seventh piece of armor called prayer. 
nor is he giving us instruction on, on how we are to put on the armor. How many have heard that teaching before? The, the way in which we put on the armor, we kind of pray it on to us. That's not, it sounds good, it's, it's applicable, but, but that's really not what's going on here. Remember that the armor is the appropriation of God's truth in our lives to dispel the lies of the enemy. So what role does prayer play in helping us stand against the, the schemes of the devil, against the lies of the devil? Notice Paul mentions, he says, look, here's what you do. I need you to pray at all times. At all times. Another translation says, pray always. In other words, in the midst of your standing, in the midst of your battling, in the midst of your applying the truth of God's word, in the midst of you, you know, putting on the breastplate of righteousness and, and the helmet of salvation and the sword, of the sword of the spirit and everything else, in the midst of it all, be praying. You see, the idea is this. Prayer is woven all throughout the process of employing truth in our lives. Prayer is to take place at all times, in all things. This next instruction, he says to pray at all times. Look, in, he says pray at all times in the spirit. This was not intended to be disconnected from the other pieces of armor, but it's how we know when to apply, apply truth and what truth to apply in every situation. Again, big picture. We've been talking about what our position is in Christ. This is, you know, this is what you were. This is who you are now. This is how God sees you. Live according to your, who you are in Christ, right? Go have at it. You are, you are his children, redeemed by the blood of the lamb, right? You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You're made alive together in Christ Jesus. This is who you are now. And as a result of who you are, this is how you are to live out your life. The practices of Christ. And where does that life take place? It takes place on the field of relationships. In the midst of being on those relationships, we recognize, as he talked about, how husbands ought to love their wives and wives ought to treat their husbands. We talked about children and parents and workers and, and employers. And he starts to lay out for us all of the relationships that tend to stir up conflict sometimes, right? And so in the midst of all of that, he talks about relationships and then he goes right into the armor of God because that's usually where the, the spiritual battle takes place. And as we're on the battlefield of relationship and we're putting on the armor of God, Paul says, here's what you need to do. You need to be praying in the spirit. Don't just be putting the, don't just fill your head with truth. Pray in the Spirit so the Holy Spirit can ensure that what you're, the, the, the truth that you're applying is dispelling the lies that you're hearing. You see, we've been talking about the armor being the truth of God's word in a very broad sense. But there are times when a lie comes in and you just don't have the truth to dispel that particular lie. Yeah, I know I shouldn't believe this, but I don't have what I need. What verse do I use? What truth do I put in motion? I don't know what I, I don't know what I need to do in order to dispel this as a lie. 
but the Holy Spirit does. Isn't that good news? I mean, I thank God that my sanctification isn't so dependent on my ability to retain every bit of truth that the word of God puts in motion for me. And so, the, so as, I'm, as I'm praying in the spirit, the Holy Spirit is helping me put in motion the truth that I need to apply to the current situation that I'm finding. This is what, that's what Jesus told his disciples the Holy Spirit would do. John chapter 14, Jesus said this, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. What is all that I have said to you? It's the word of God, right? It's all the things that Jesus has said. And so what's beautiful is, you see, how many times have you read through the Bible and you get frustrated, you go thinking, thinking to yourself, I can't retain everything I've just read. Am I wasting my time? You're not wasting your time. You're making very sanctified deposits into your spirit. How many times have you been just in the midst of something? Somebody just shared with me in the last service. I won't mention who it is, but they said, you know, I was just going through something recently and I was just going for a walk and I just started getting really ashamed over some things I had done 30 years ago. And she said, I just really started to kind of get like overwhelmed with that. And the scripture came to my mind that as far as the east is from the west, so he has removed my transgressions from me. And I was like, that's it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Where did that come from? It's God, the Holy Spirit, bringing to your remembrance that which you deposited as you were reading the word of God and didn't think it was meaning anything at the time. It's the Holy Spirit. How does that happen? We need to be in prayer. We need to be in the spirits, praying in the spirit. Pray at all times. In other words, it's not just, it's not just speaking of an event. This isn't about prayer meetings. This isn't even about your 15-minute devotional or 15-minute prayer, whatever you do during the day. It's this idea of living a life in the presence of God. Praying and pray at all times. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse 16, Paul says this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? How is that even possible? I mean, is that suggesting that all we do is pray? Of course not. It means that we park ourselves, we place ourselves in the presence of God and we know that, it, it, that as we're going through our day, we're in the presence of the one who loves me. And we are always interacting not always out loud, because people will think you're really weird, right? But always aware of the spirits operating and working in our lives. Pray without ceasing. And then he says, pray at all times in the spirit. What does that mean? It means that, that, I, that I relinquish outcomes and opinions on what I think God should do based on what I think makes sense. And instead I allow the Holy Spirit to inform my heart and my mind on what's in the best interest of what God should do for his kingdom. Praying in the spirit, now that, that'll involve all different kinds of prayers. 
but there's no method. Everybody's called to pray in the spirit. What does that mean? It means we are to recognize that God, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are transcendent over our thoughts. So we recognize that, that God has a will, God has a plan. And while I am to pray, I am, all, I am to make sure that I am praying in accordance with God's will. Not mine. It's a surrendering of control over to the Holy Spirit who best determines the outcomes. Some would say, well, that's referring to speaking in tongues. It could, it could refer to speaking in tongues, but not exclusively to speaking in tongues because the scripture is clear. Not everybody has a spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, but everybody is to pray in the spirit. And so it's not so much the way of what comes out of our mouth, but the posture of our heart. Does that mean it's wrong to pray for something specific? Somebody asked me this morning, they said, well, does that mean I can't play for the, pray for the Giants to win? I said, I hope not, because I'm praying that they win too, you know? Doesn't mean that, but it means that all requests need to be presented to God with the awareness that God is all-knowing. God knows the end from the beginning. And so we pray in accordance with God's will. I used to have somebody used to drive them crazy every time I said that. Oh, you can't say that. That's like a lack of faith. That's not a lack of faith. That's total faith. I recognize I'm not going to strong arm God, God into doing what I want him to do. I recognize his ways are wiser than me. I don't, I, you don't want me calling the shots. God is the one. And so that means that I, I relinquish my will into his will. Here's a perfect example of that. Here's Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus fully knowing what was about to take place as, as he neared that time where he was gonna be arrested and brought to the cross and, and he was gonna endure such, such torture and, and brutality, right? And, and it was at that moment that Jesus is in the garden and, he, and he's alone and he's praying to his father and he says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, the cup of suffering. In his humanity, we get a glimpse of the humanity of our Lord. The scripture says that he sweat drops of blood, which we know is physically possible for a person who is under such strain and, dist and distress. He said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's praying in according to God's will. Lord, I don't know what this is going to mean for me, but you do. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Because see, that's what prayer is. Prayer is me aligning with what God is doing. Not getting God to do what I want him to do. He's not the genie in the bottle that you rub him the right way and he's going to come out and give you three wishes. He is God. He is sovereign. He's got a plan, he's got a purpose, and he invites us into that. And as we come to him in prayer, we come recognizing that he is omniscient and I am not. And so I pray, God, align my will with your will so I don't get in the way of what you're doing. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. 
Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer. The scripture presents many different kinds of prayer throughout uh, the Old and New Testament. Think of conversations that you have with people because that's really what ultimately what prayer is, right? We're, we're having a conversation with God. It's, it's, we're communing with God, right? And when you're communing with people, you, you have different styles, different ways, different content that you're talking about. Sometimes you're asking questions. Sometimes you're answering questions. Sometimes you're clarifying things, right? Sometimes you're affirming and the list goes on and on in the midst of a conversation, but no one conversation just has one method of, 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 of interaction. Well, likewise, prayer has several types of interactions, if you will. There are several models that we see in the scripture and the way in which we are to pray. Believe it or not, this Thursday is Thanksgiving. Isn't that crazy? Didn't you feel like you just kind of put the summer away, right? But, in, but, but, but on Thursday, um, Americans all across the United States will do what they should do every day of the year. Hopefully they'll pause, they'll give thanks to God for his bountiful blessings in our life. Paul will write to the church of Philippi and he'll call that the, the prayer of thanksgiving. It's one of the prayers we see in the Bible. We see all, that one all throughout, the prayer of thanksgiving. Acts chapter 13, we see the prayer of worship. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, we see the prayer of, of intercession. Praying on behalf of another. Interceding on another's behalf. As we saw in Jesus' model in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see the, the prayer of consecration. God, not my will, but your will be done. James will write about the prayer of faith in James chapter five and verse 15, an assurance that, that tie, that's tied to God's character. Prayer of faith. Paul mentions some other forms of prayer in our text here. He, he refers to the prayer of supplication. Verse 18, with all prayer and supplication. Supplication is simply request. We're making requests to God. Philippians chapter four and verse six. Don't be anxious about anything, Paul says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, this is a big nugget of prayer, right? This is like a buffet of prayer. We had a lot of things going on in this prayer. Let your request be made known to God. What a powerful passage that is, right? Don't be anxious about it, but let, how many have ever been anxious before? Okay, so, so here, here's a great way to turn your anxiety into into, into something very valuable. When the anxiety comes up, that needs to become your, your reminder that you need to bring this to God in prayer. Because what scripture says is be anxious for nothing. And God doesn't tell us to be anxious for nothing if it's not possible, right? So when I'm anxious and I understand anxious, and when I'm feeling anxious, I realize, oh, it's time for me to take this to the Lord in prayer. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything, how? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, pull out the whole gamut, get in God's presence and bring it and give it all to God because my anxiety is telling me that I'm in an arena I don't belong. I'm thinking I need to fix something that only God can fix because when I realize I can't fix it, I get anxious, <laughs> right? Too many people walk around disillusioned with prayer because they... They make their request to God and when God doesn't fulfill it the way that he, they think he should, they think there's, there's lack on God's end. 
well, if God's so loving, why did he allow this to happen? I asked him to do this, and he didn't do it. Well, God loves you so much that what he did allow to happen was truly in your best interest and in the best interest of the kingdom of God and, and the glory of God. And so if God doesn't answer your prayer the way you want, it's because it just wasn't the best possible outcome. You see, sometimes, sometimes the scheme of the devil is to get you to doubt God's goodness when he doesn't answer a prayer the way you think he should. Right? And that, that's, what, that, that's how he schemed in the garden, right? Trying to get them to doubt the goodness of God. We need to remember that ultimately prayer is aligning my will with God's, not aligning God's will with mine. Big difference between the two. Paul continues by telling us to pray with alertness and perseverance. Alertness and perseverance. This, this, this prayer, prayerful alertness that Paul calls us to serves as a reminder to, to be on guard. We need to remember that we're in a battle, right? We, we need to remember that, that we are, as children of God, we are the objects of God's love, but we are also the objects of Satan's hate. And he is going to, the schemes of the devil that Paul talks about, they're real, Right? And so we need to be alert. We need to be aware of the fact that not every passing thought, not every mood swing, not every hurtful comment was just an arbitrary comment. Perhaps it was a fiery dart from the enemy. Prayer with alertness means we recognize that we're in a battle and not everything we experience is necessarily as it appears. I mean, have you seen people embrace things and say things and do things? You just think, that just logically doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, like, even if you just look at it as a non-Christian, like, that just doesn't, and I have so many examples that I just, but I just think, like, how unintelligent, how illogical, how stupid. But that's what deception does. Those are fiery darts, they're lies from the enemy. So we need to be watchful with perseverance, right? We need to be alert. It's like when Peter said, be, be sober, right? Be vigilant, be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, he prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's not to create a, a like, you know, feeling like, oh man, like, like, you know, where is he? What is he doing? Like, we can get paranoid with this kind of stuff too. We need to kind of hold this off in proper tension. Well, how do we do that? We are in pray. We, we need to be praying in the spirit. So we, the Holy Spirit balances that out with us. He says this in verse 18. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all of the saints. You know who that is? Look around you one another. It's the body of Christ. Paul tells us to pray for one another. The body of Christ. Because one of the schemes of the devil is to divide. Every time we see the enemy at work in the scriptures, every time we see the enemy at work in church history, and every time we see enemy, the enemy at work in the present is to divide. And what Paul says, listen, when you're on the battlefield of relationships, make sure you're praying for one another. 
Why do we pray for one another? Well, remember we talked about last week, we talked about the, the, the shield of faith kind of locking arms with one another, creating that wall that we are able to stand together so that if I'm weak today, I can draw off the strength of my brothers and my sisters, or if they're weak, I can, I can be for them what they need. It's, it's the body of Christ being what God has designed the body of Christ to be for each other. Couple reasons why we why it's so important for us to pray for one another with one another. Number one, we stand stronger when we stand together. We stand stronger when we stand together. Hey, listen, there's a whole lot more that we agree about than we would disagree about. And how you choose to relate with people is, 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 is entirely up to you. But too much energy gets spent on hanging with people and fighting over things that we disagree over that we can't celebrate the many, many things that we agree about. We need to be standing together, encouraging one another. One day you may be the one who needs a little extra support. And one day you might be the one to be able to give some support. Pray for one another. Another reason we pray for one another, we pray for one another as, as we have a shared mission to what God has called us to as a local church. We are a local expression of the body of Christ globally, right? We are not the church, we are a church, which is a part of the church. But as the local expression of the body of Christ, God has a mission for us. He has a place for us in the body at this time, for such a time as this. And in the wisdom of God, he has put us together to accomplish something for the glory of God. And so we have a shared mission with one another. And as we're seeking the Lord, God will begin to put on the hearts of each and every one of us the things that we need to hear and, and do. I always get encouraged when somebody comes up and says, man, I can't believe you just said that or preached about that or prayed about that. I just felt like that's exactly what the Holy Spirit was saying to me. And I'm like, well, that, that's normal. That's the way it should be. Because as we're all seeking God together, I'm not the voice of God. I'm hearing the voice of God. And if you're hearing the voice of God and I'm hearing the voice of God, we should be hearing the same thing. Third reason why we pray for one another is we pray for each other to get our eyes off of ourselves. Too many times we can get so caught up and so consumed with everything going on in our life, our needs, our wants, our hurts, our fears, our, our blah, 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 go on and on and on and blah, right? And it's like, if I can just get my eyes off of what I need and, and I realize, oh, they need something too. Brother and sister needs, they, man, man, I thought I had a problem, but boy, they're really struggling. You're dealing with what? You go, you're feeling What? You see, when, when I get my eyes off of myself, I start to realize the value of one another. And it's so important. You see, as I'm praying for everybody else, I'm not thinking so much about my, my problems. I move from me and mine to us and ours. Fourthly, we pray for one another. This is really important. We pray for one another so we might see others as God wants us to see them. We pray for one another so that we might see others as God wants us to see them. Do you ever feel like you just met somebody and you just, just in like a short amount of time, you feel like you got them all figured out? Like, oh, you know what? 
that person reminds me of, I bet they're just like them. They talk like them, dress like them. They come from the same town. They must be, and they got them all figured out, right? You got them all figured, and then you get to know them. You realize that they're not like that person at all. But we've drawn conclusions. We got them all figured out because, see, our past has informed our present way too much, and sometimes people don't stand a chance. But when I'm praying for them, you know what I love to do? I love to go onto the internet. I love to pull up our website and go to our photo directory. And I love to see your faces. And I pray for you. I really do. Now, some of you need to get your pictures on there. <laughs> some of you need to update your pictures. <laughs> but you see, this can come back and bite me, but I'll say it. There are times I'm really hurt and I'm really frustrated. And I just want to go. And I start praying. And I start seeing faces. And I start seeing and remembering what God's done in their lives. And I get my eyes off of me. And I start loving everybody a whole lot. And you didn't change at all. The problem was right here. Right? We pray for one another because sometimes we, we fail to see each other as God wants us to see each other. We attach them to other people. Well, that person was like that, so surely you're like that. It's wrong. And so when we're praying for one another, it helps us to see others the way God wants us to see them. It's amazing how many times our past experiences and our hurts can cause us to put on others what doesn't belong there. Perhaps one of the reasons why the scripture causes us to pray for our enemies is in the midst of praying for our enemies, we come to realize they're not our enemies after all. In fact, they weren't the problem at all. It was me. How many relationships have been destroyed on the battlefield of relationships? Remember we talked about that? Because we didn't see them the way God wanted us to see them. And so this encouragement to pray at all times in the spirit is where we're trained to rightly put on the armor. See, there's the content of the truth, but when and how to employ that in a timely fashion is going to run parallel with our being continually praying in the spirit. Praying at all times in the spirit is directly connected to our putting on the armor. It informs how we put it on, where we put it on, when we put it on. Prayer, prayer creates the environment to rightly know, apply, and put on the truth, the armor. So we're reminded of where our position in Christ is. And when lies are presented that are contrary, like, our, like, like my sister shared this morning, bringing up the past, it's at that moment that God, the Holy Spirit, reminds us, no, that's not who you are anymore. You're not defined by your biggest mistake. You're defined by who Jesus has made you. 
when those practices in Christ seem to really go against everything that you want to do and everything that you feel. You fight those lies with truth as the Spirit gives you the ability and the grace to do it. This is what Paul called the Spirit-filled life. That's what it is. Christianity is about walking in the Spirit. We're, being, we're spiritual people. I mean, we're not like up in the clouds, weird. But we're not controlled by the things of the flesh. That's what we were. But we're controlled by the things of the Spirit. How do we do that? We pray always in the Spirit as you employ the truth, putting on the armor of God so that you might stand in who God says you are. It goes all the way back to the beginning. This is what God says about you. You can live it out by the grace of God. Paul wraps up this letter. He says, pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To, the end, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. <laughs> He's like, hey, as you're praying for all the saints, just can you pray for me also? I love that. I love the humility and the awareness that Paul had that he needed the prayer of the saints. It always encourages my heart when somebody comes and tells me they're praying for me. I'm like, you have no idea. I never take that for granted. I, it means more to me. Pray for me. Dear God, I need it. Pray for me. Paul says, as you're praying for everybody, pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm ambassador in chains. What's he referring to? He was actually, he's in prison, right? So he's, he's, he's in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so, hey, if Paul's aware of his need of being prayed for by one another, shouldn't we be in need of praying for one another, right? We need, you need my prayers, I need your prayers, we need each other's prayer. This is what we do. And as we're doing that, it helps us to see one another as God wants us to see one another. It helps us to move the mission forward that God's called us to. It makes God proud and brings the kingdom of God advanced in this area that God's called us to. In his final greetings, he says, so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the bl- I love that name, Tychicus. Uh, uh, every time I see that, I just... Raise a smile on my face. Tychicus, the beloved brother and fellow minister in the Lord, he will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that, we may encourage, that, we, that he may encourage your hearts. Again, I just love how Paul is just wanting to keep them informed. Here's where I'm at. Here, pray for this. And I know it'll encourage you to know that I'm doing okay. He says, peace be to the brothers and sisters. And all the sisters said, amen, right? Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. I love that. May our love for God and for one another not be corrupted. By what? By the things of the world, by the lies. May it be formed, shaped, made 
by truth. Love incorruptible. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, this has been a sweet journey together. I pray that you would continue to open the eyes of our understanding to your truth, that we would always see and embrace our position in Christ, live out the practices of Christ that are running parallel with our position so that, Lord, we might bring glory and honor to your name. Thank you, Lord, for this time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.